Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Romans chapter 5. Book of Romans chapter 5. We're going to be continuing. I told you that I was going to start a series of messages um, on what I would call cultivating spiritual fruit or cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. Last week we talked about God's desire for fruit. We talked about how that every Christian ought to be fruit producers. That the Spirit of God ought to be working in our lives in such a way that when people look at us, that they see the fruit of what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives. And Galatians chapter 5 would say, now the fruit of the Spirit is this. It is love. It is joy. It is Peace. It is. Uh, it is uh, uh, long suffering. It is kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. And so, if we claim to be spirit filled people, if we claim to be people of the Spirit, that the Spirit of God is doing stuff in our life, He is working in our lives. Because how many knows that salvation is really the start of what God is wanting to do? You see, we've got a lot of converts, but we don't have a lot of disciples. We've got a lot of people that have prayed a prayer and said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. And I'm thankful for that. That is the start. That is the start of everything. But... At that moment when you knelt down at an altar somewhere and you asked Jesus to come into your heart, you repented of your sins, and that blood that we talked about on Sunday morning began to wash you and make you whiter than snow. Thank God you're no longer on your way to heaven. I mean, on your way to hell, but you're on your way to heaven. But at that moment, you've enlisted in the school of Jesus Christ. And God is wanting to do some things in your life. He is wanting to produce fruit in your life. And how many want to be able to produce fruit? As a matter of fact, God's desire for our lives is to produce that. And so last week we talked about God's desire for fruit. And how He said that you have to abide in me. And we looked at John chapter 15. And about how that we, in order for us to bear fruit, we've got to abide in Jesus Christ. Because it is the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. It is the fruit of the Spirit because it is the Spirit that works that in our lives. We can't have the peace that the Bible talks about unless the Spirit works that in our lives. 
We cannot have the joy that God wants us to have unless the Spirit of God works that in our lives. We can't have the self-control that God says that we need in our lives unless the Spirit of God begins to work in that. And we talked for a few moments about yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God, yielding ourselves to the hand of God, and bowing the knee to God in order so that those things can be produced in our lives. So over the next several messages, I want to teach if the Lord will help me, and you'll stay with me, on this fruit that God wants us to produce. And I want to start tonight with the most important one of all. Because everything else will flow out of the very first piece of fruit that God wants and God desires for you to have in your life. And that is love and when I thought about love I thought of the greatest demonstration of love and that is the scripture that I want to read in your hearing this morning or this evening Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 this is what the Bible says but God demonstrated his own love Toward us. In that while we were still sinners. The King James would say. While we are yet sinners. Christ died for us. Let's read that again. But God demonstrated. His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. For us. And the love that Jesus demonstrated is the same fruit that God wants to develop in your life this evening. And so that's what I want to talk to you tonight about. I want to talk to you about cultivating the love of the Spirit of God. The love of the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this evening, Lord God, that we have this opportunity to look at your word tonight. God, I am asking you, Lord God, right now that you would anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us right now. And Father, whenever we'll cease to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all, in Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. Perhaps the most important characteristic that is missing from the modern church is this thing called godly love. Above everything else, God, God's desire for the church is for us to love God and for us to love people. And that is the goal of every born-again believer. As God loved you, and demonstrated his love toward you. You should also love God and others. Yeah. But here is the issue. Most of us. Whether you're in the church or out of the church. Have no idea what true love is all about. I was a youth pastor for a number of years. And I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It was raising those teenagers. 
being in the room with all of those teenagers. I mean, and, and they wanted to fight. I mean, every every young man that walked in the door in the back door, every young girl that walked in the back door, oh, that's 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 my Prince. That's my Prince Charming. That's my Cinderella. That that is. I, I, I'm in, I'm so in love with him. I'm so in love with her. And went give it a couple of weeks, and it just kind of faded away a little bit, and what have you. Because and we're the same way. We throw around the word love a lot but do we really give do we really give attention to what godly love is all about you know we'll go to the steakhouse and we'll get that nice steak that nice juicy steak that they bring out to us and it's so tender and we'll bite into it and we'll say you know I, man this is I love this steak or I love my car or I love my house or I, I, I love my job or I love or whatever the case may be. But have we really stopped to think what it is that we are saying? When you look at your wife or you look at your husband or you, you look at your kids or you look at your grandkids and you begin to tell them, I love you. What kind of love are you actually demonstrating to them? Husbands and wives, let me just challenge you for a minute. Because I want to tell you, outside of God, your kids know you better than anybody else. Amen? And so, a lot of the times, what they'll see love is all about is what is modeled in the home between a father and a mother. And sometimes that is the only, that is the only definition of love that they have. Some people don't even have a reference point to love. Right. I've counseled many people that have told me and says, I, I've never known what it is like to experience the love that you are talking about. They will look at, they will look at my, my, my family and they will look at the relationship that I have with my wife. And, they'll, and I've had people come up to us and tell me and say, you know, I wish that I, wish that I could have a love like you did or that y'all have. And sometimes people do not have a reference point to that love. There are children who are not loved. There are, there are spouses that are not loved. There are people who are not loved for whatever reason. But Jesus said this in John chapter 13 and verse 35. He looks at his disciples and he says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one toward another. And I find that interesting that he looks at his disciples and he says, they will not know you, they will not know your relationship to God by the fact that you speak in tongues. He said, you will, he said they will not know that you are God, that you have a relationship with God, whether or not if you can lay hands on the sick and they recover. He would say you will not, they will not know your relationship with God based on the fact that you can prophesy or you can predict things. But he would say, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that if you will show the same love that I have shown to you. Yes, amen. amen. I said last week that we've got a lot of people who are gifted. But they, but they, they are, are gifted, but they're not fruitful. 
We've got a lot of people that demonstrate one thing. They demonstrate anointing. They demonstrate power. They demonstrate godly characteristics. But they miss the key ingredient. And that is the love of God. And and Jesus said, God in the flesh would say, people will know you. Not by your church. Not by your giving. Not by your signs and wonders. Oh, come on. I'm going to pray. Let me just plow right there for a second. Because we preach and we teach. And most people in Pentecostalism will say, you know what? If we could just have a blinded eye open. If we could just have a deaf ear unstopped. My goodness, if the evangelist could just come into the church and just and just work it up and we could just have one of those throw-down camp meetings that, my goodness, that would just blow out. That would start bringing people to the church. No. The Bible says that people will be attracted to you by the love that you show. They are not interested on how spiritual you are. They are not interested in how much Bible you can quote to them. The world is not interested in any of that. What they are interested in is whether or not if you can show the love that God demonstrates. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Faith is not the measuring stick. Miracles are not the measuring stick. Signs and wonders are not. Love is. Because what would Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Let's turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. At verse 1. Now, I'm, I'm going to teach my way through this here. I've had people tell me that he can't teach. He's got to, I'm, going to teach you, I'm going to teach tonight. I'm not going to yell. I'm not, I'm not going to try to scream at you. We're going to walk through this tonight. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he would say, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not loved, I have become sounding brass, or a clanging symbol. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but not love, it profits me nothing. So listen to what he is saying right there. He's saying, I can speak in tongues, but if I don't have love, I'm just making noise. Amen? He says, I can prophesy and understand everything concerning spiritual issues. I can even have the greatest faith so that I can remove mountains. And he says, but if if I have not love, I am nothing. I can give all my goods to feed the poor. I can even become a martyr for my faith. But if I have not love, it really doesn't profit me anything. I'm not going to do much expository on that because I think that just pretty much speaks for itself. But listen to what he says that love is. Love suffers long. 
That means that at times, godly love will just have to put up with it. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Oh, I wish I had about a, I wish I had about a hundred preachers here that could hear that right there. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. If you have the love of God radiating in your life, you don't have to tell people that you're loving people because it'll automatically show. It does not. It doesn't puff itself up. It does not behave rudely. Christians that show the love of the Spirit of God, they're not rude people. Amen. It does, does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. That means it, its mind, their minds are not on things of evil. They're not on evil thoughts. It does not rejoice in iniquity. But it rejoices in the truth. Let me break that down here for a second. The true love of the Spirit of God does not rejoice in sinful things. But it will always rejoice in the truth of God. Listen to what this says. It says, love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, there will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it shall vanish away. So what is Paul saying here? I tell you, we're going to teach here for a second. Paul is saying there is coming a time tongues will go away. There's coming a time prophecies will go away. But what is the thing that stays? The thing that stays is love. Because look at this. Oh my goodness, I'm getting ready to preach. He says, when I was a child, yeah. I spoke as a child. Right. That means that when I was a child, it was all about me. When I was a child, I was puffed up. When I was a child, I thought on things that I was selfish. When I was a child, I would think on things that I probably shouldn't have been thinking on. But he says, now, when I grew up, or the King James will say, but though when I became a man, or basically when I grew up, I put away the childish things. Can I tell you right now, Lord, help me, Holy Ghost. We've got people that have been sitting in our pews for 30 plus years and they have never grown up. We've got people because, uh, because we have not yielded ourselves to the hand of the Spirit to work this out. And in verse 13 he says, Now, now abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And Pentecostalism, we put a lot of emphasis on faith and thank God for that. But in God's eyes, faith is not the greatest. Woo. He puts he, hope. 
And we should hope. Because there abides faith, hope, and love. But the Apostle Paul says, the greatest of all these is not your faith. The greatest of all these is not your hope. The greatest of these things is the love that is being shown out of your heart. You see, that was the issue with the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Take your Bibles and let's go there. I'm teaching tonight, I tell you. I told you I was going to teach. Let's look at this. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his hand. He's talking to the church here. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works. And listen to his, con- to, to his commendations that he gives to this church. He tells them, I know your works, verse 2. Your labor, your patience. That you cannot bear those who are evil. You hate evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not. And have found them liars. And you have preserved. You have had patience. You have labored for the cause of my sake. For my name's sake. And have not become weary. I mean you look at that church. If that was where we stopped at, Pastor. We would stop right there and go... Wow, I want to be part of the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a great church. If we just stopped right there, we would see. I mean, God Himself speaks all these wonderful things, but then God says, nevertheless, I have something against you. He says, He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. He says, you believe in the right things. Your your doctrine's pure. Oh, you're, you're working for the kingdom of God. But the main ingredient is missing. And that main ingredient is the love. Your first love. And I want to I jump ahead here real quick on this. And I want to say this. Love is reserved for two things. God and people. And I'm going to expound upon that here in just a moment. But listen to what he tells this church at Ephesus. He says, remember therefore from where you are fallen, repent. Do the first works or else I will come to you quickly. And remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What is he saying? He's saying, if you do not restore the love of the Spirit, I will remove your influence from people. I will remove my Spirit. I will set it aside. You won't have my presence. That's pretty harsh words right there, isn't it? Because he puts the premium here on love. Because love is reserved. The church at Ephesus, they had walked away and left their love for God and left their love for people. Because love is reserved for two things. 
God and people. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'm going to say something bold here in the time that I have in the time that I have left. We love things about God. We love things about people. But sometimes we miss loving God fully and loving people fully. You see, he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if any man love the world, the, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I said this before. Love is reserved for two people, or for two things. God and people. I don't have time to get into this, but read the Ten Commandments. All of the Ten Commandments are relational in their giving. The first parts of the commandments all have to do with the man's relationship to God. The rest of the commandments have to do with man's relationship to people. It's never things. I hear people say, and that's the reason why I said at the beginning of this message, there are so many of us that say, you know, I love my car. I'm going to say something bold. I like my car, but I don't love my car. I like my house, but I don't love my house. Now you may say, man, that's that's why. Because here's the issue. Too many times the church has put idols ahead of God. That is the reason why the very first commandment that Jesus speaks, He says, you shall not have anything before me. You know what that really means? That means that nothing else can come in my presence. It is not that it is not that God is first and everything else follows after that. We say put God first. But that is not what God actually meant when he said no other gods before me. He is actually saying there is nothing else that can be in my presence. And so many times what happens is we love the benefits of the relationship without loving the one that is giving it to us. Oh my goodness, my goodness. We love, we, we want to come and we want to get the miracle. But we're not, wanting, we're not willing to fall in love with the miracle worker. We want to, and we see that in the natural. We used to call it, and I'm not trying to be crude in any stretch of the imagination, but we used to have an expression. Men used to have an expression that say, you know, why do I need to buy the cow when I can get the milk for free? Because we are in love with the benefits that come with the relationship. We just don't want to become committed in the relationship. And we love coming to church. We love coming to church. And we'll even say things like, I love my church. Oh, come to my church. My church is great. I love 
my church. And I'm thankful for that. But God is saying this. Hey, do you love the church? Because even the church can become an idol. Mm. And oh, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. And here's the thing. If you love the church, you're loving another man's wife. Why? Because Christ gave His life for the church. The church is the bride. And He's coming back for the bride. Oh, I'm preaching right now. And if you love the church more than you love Him, you're committing spiritual adultery. And we love the church. We love the blessings of the church. We love the functions of the church. But we don't love the one that set up the church, the one that died for the church. But we show love because He first loved us. Because the love that God is wanting us to demonstrate, we find in our text. He would say in Romans 5 and 8, but God demonstrated His love to us. In that while we were still sinners, yes. He died for us. He would go on to say in John 15 and verse 13, He would say, no greater love is shown than this. That a man lays down his life for his friends. And John 3.16. For God. So loved the world. That he gave. His only begotten son. That whosoever. Should believe on him. Would not perish. But have everlasting life. The godly love that God is wanting to demonstrate through you is a love that is demonstrated by sacrifice. True love. The godly kind of love. The agape love. Will always be sacrificial. And my brothers and sisters, the cross was the greatest demonstration of God's love for all of mankind. It was the ultimate proof that God loved you. He was willing, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He was willing. Now, we sing songs that they had to search through heaven and find the Savior. No, they didn't have to do that. Because it was already laid before the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve was created, before mankind was ever formed from the dust of the ground. The Father and the Son already had it planned. It wasn't in a committee meeting. It was never plan B. But it was decided from eternity past before mankind was ever created. The Son will say, I will demonstrate my love to all of mankind. I will empty myself. I will take on the form of flesh. 
I will lay aside my godness. I will walk around. I will suffer everything that they suffer. I'll go through everything that they go through. So, And I will hang on a cross. I will feel the abandonment of the Father so that I can show the world how much I love them. You ought to be thankful in this house this morning, this evening, that He loved you so much that He was willing to die for you. The interesting thing about this type of love is that this love is not so much about that he died, but it was who he died for. Johnny, can I use you as an example, brother? Is that be okay? While you were still drinking, and didn't have a heart towards God. He looked back. Yeah. And he said, I love him. Yes, he did. So still you share those stories about how you used to live differently. Even he does not, he did not love you, and he did not love me because now all of a sudden we're preachers. He didn't love us now because we all of a sudden we joined harvest time. He didn't love us. He didn't love us just simply because all of a sudden we put a few dollars in the offering box back there in the back. When we were unlovable and the world wrote us off, he saw something in us that he said, I love him and I love her. And I am willing to demonstrate the love that nobody else can share, that nobody else can show. When he hung on a cross, the painting said, How much do you love? And he said, I love you this much. And he hung out his arms and he died because he loved you. And the interesting thing is, he is desiring that that, that same love be shown through you by the Spirit. Because here's the thing, give me about six or seven minutes and I'll finish this up. It's easy for me to love my pastor. I don't have to work at that because he's a good man. He's a spirit-filled man. So I don't have to work all that hard. I hope you don't have to work hard. I don't have to work hard to love Brother John. There's a world out there that if I am not in tune with the Spirit of God, if I have not yielded myself to the Spirit of God, I, I, I'm, I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach this for, I'm going to preach and teach just here for a second. I'm going to tell you what the love of God is not. The love of God is not standing behind a pulpit and calling homosexuals every type of name under the sun. Amen. Because whether you like it or not, whether the rest of the church world likes it or not, yes. God loves them. Yes, he does. He died for them. When we got into our political season, 
we got this group calling this group a bunch of names. Yeah. And we've got churches across this country that are wearing t-shirts and are chanting things that are vulgar. Because we don't like one side or we don't like one political party. The Democrats hate the Republicans and the Republicans hate the Democrats. That is not the spirit operating in love. Right. And when God, God did not die, did not send his son into the world to save the Republicans. Come on, amen. He did not send his son into this world to die for the Democrats. He sent his son into this world to redeem all of mankind back unto him. And if you, my God, and if we can't let that be demonstrated, I don't care how much you speak in tongues. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I hope y'all understand that. But it doesn't matter how many times you speak in tongues and how many times you interpret tongues. If the Spirit of God, if you're not yielded so much to the Spirit of God that that love does not flow through you in such a way, it drives you to love the unlovable. Because here was the thing. There was a day in time I was unlovable. There was a time that the church didn't love me. There was a time because I didn't look like them. And I didn't act like them. And I didn't say the things that they did. And it took 15 years of my life, I'm preaching here, to find one church. I was raised in church all my life, Pastor. And it took 15 years to find a church that demonstrated the true love of the Spirit of God. And that is what broke this hard heart of mine at 15 years of age. Because listen to what he says here, and I'm just almost done. Jeremiah 31 and 3. The Lord had appeared to him from afar saying, Indeed, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. You know what draws somebody? What draws somebody is not your spirituality. What draws is not how much, what church you go to. What draws people is the love of God. And as I was preparing this, as I was sitting this, the Lord allowed me. I'll never forget it. Let me just share this with you. Give me two minutes. I'm sorry. I've been trying to prolong this. But I feel like I need to share this. In 2015, May of 2015, I found myself in Rome, Georgia. I may have shared this before. If I've shared it before, then just bear with me here. 
I found myself in Rome, Georgia, on the campus of Berry College, right outside of Rome, Georgia. I was overlooking the hills and the mountains that were there. And I was sitting there contemplating my life, contemplating ministry, contemplating everything in 2015. And as I was sitting there, I said, Lord, I want to hear from you. What do you want to tell me? I even said, speak, Lord, for your servant is hearing. And pastor, these are the words that he spoke to me. He said, Jeremy, you do not love people the way I love people. I wasn't expecting him to say that. I was expecting him to give me some sort of, you know how we are. I want some deep revelation. Show me something in scripture that I've never seen before. Give me that, give me that deep stuff. But God just simply told me, Jeremy, you don't love people the way I love people. Immediately the convicting power of the Holy Spirit came down to where I was at in that, on that hillside. I began to weep. And I said, God, help me. Brother Johnny, this is the words that he said to me. He said, yield yourself to me. Pastor, I thought I was you. I'm preaching. I'm traveling this country preaching. I've seen blinded eyes open. I've been in services where demons have been cast out. I've seen people flood the altar. After I've given an altar call on people that I've seen at one time, 150 people at one time give their heart and life to the Lord. I thought I was you. Mm -hmm. And the Lord spoke to me in April 2015 as I was on that hillside. He said, Jeremy, you don't love people the way I love people. And that broke me. And I begin to repent because here's the thing. If I had not have repented of that, everything that I had done prior to ministry wouldn't amount to a hill of beans. Because what would matter was my relationship to him. Not my works. Not how many messages I've preached. <coughs> Now, how many people I laid hands on? But he said, I need you to love people the way that I love people. Have I always been perfect since then? No. There have been many times that I have, I have fallen short miserably and have had to go back and I've said, Lord, I yield myself one more time right. to your spirit because I know that in order for me to have joy, I've got to have love. In order for me to have peace, I've got to have love. In order for everything else to be evident, the first things first, I've got to have the love of the Spirit. So here's my question to you. How's that love operating in your life right now? How is that love operating in your life? Can I just be, can I just be very, very honest? 
You know what love will do? Love will make you love someone that the rest of the world hates. Can I just say this? And I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not, again, please don't, under, please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to be political at any stretch of the imagination. If one president walks into this room and you can honor him because he kind of leans the way that you lean, and then the other president walks into the store because he leans differently than you do, and you can't honor him and love him in Christ, don't tell me how spirit-filled you are. I agree with you. Because you're not. I'm not trying to be mean. So how's that love working out for you? How's that love flowing through you? How's that love flowing through me? I'm preaching to me too. How's that love flowing through you? Has that love cost you something? Has that love cost you to cause you to lay down something and say, God, I love you so much. I'm willing to lay down this stuff. This stuff that is a hindrance, the stuff that is a bondage. God, I, I love you more than I love that. Yeah. It's what he asked Peter. He asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than you love this? You love me more than you love the rest of it. Here's the interesting thing. You know, he asked Peter three times. Y'all remember that? He asked Peter three times, Lovest thou me more than these? The first two times when he said love, he used the word agape. The third time that he used it, he used it just as an endearment. Basically, Jesus asked him the third time, Do you simply just tolerate me? Look it up, study it out. And it broke Peter. How's that love flowing for you? Every head bowed, every eye closed, real quick. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry.